Zoom in on global affairs with insightful debates and exclusive interviews. This is World Insight. On today's World Insight, global digital trade strained with rising protectionism and harmful practices. So what can the World Trade Organization do to pursue its core mission of environment-friendly, open free trade that benefits all? Deep insights at the WTO Business Forum, the future is now sustainability and digital imperatives with business leaders. Rosa Whitaker, the president and CEO of the Whitaker Group. Jose Vinales, the group chairman of Standard Charter. Christian Hoffman, the global head of geopolitics and international relations at Siemens AG. And Tarek Sultan, the vice chairman of Agility. We all know it's complicated, geopolitics, geoeconomics, fragmentation, all these words you'll see in every report. But we are not here just to repeat those. We are here to try to find what might be the way forward. So Rosa, as someone who has been working with Africa, working with small and medium-sized companies, where do you think when we talk about sustainability and the digital imperatives, where are the opportunities that we can handle from here to the bigger picture that we just talked about? I'd like to put that in just context with a personal a- anecdote. You know, I'm reminded today of, the, of my first ministerial, and that was in 1999, uh, Seattle, my first WTO ministerial. And that was when I was serving as a, inaugural, the first assistant U.S. trade representative for Africa. And I have a striking memory during that time of the anti-globalization protests that effectively brought the ministerial to a halt. And this, uh, this was effectively a chaotic referendum on the perceived fairness of global trade. Now, some of this debate fostered constructive dialogue while others seemed to just amplify the forces of division. But I see we're confronted with some of these same forces today. And at the heart of that discussion, as and here we are 25 years later, the key question is, does global trade create a more economically inclusive world or does it serve a club of affluent nations and their corporate patrons? When I remember what happened in Ministerial 3, there were two tools that we have today that we did not have then that has the capacity to bring the world together, to have more convergence, and that's digitization, and we have a global commitment around sustainability. And from where I sit in Africa, I live in in Ghana and, and the U.S., I have seen the the transformative impact of digitization and i really believe that's one of the more important things to that we can achieve and we really do have to in creating this inclusivity address some of the questions that african leaders and african civil societies as i travel around the continent they ask all the time where is that tectonic shift that was promised by trade 25 years ago when our region was only 2% of global trade. And today, 25 years later, it's only 2.7% of global trade. And this is a legitimate question. And at the same time, with this nominal increase, world trade has increased fivefold. 
Now, I believe trade is neutral. It is what we make it. It can propel exclusivity or inclusivity. And I do believe that we must really double down on digitization. Mm -hmm. That is where, across Africa, we're seeing the greatest promise. So I would just quickly say, keep digitization on the trade agenda, be bold in the ambitions. It provides um, Africa with an unprecedented opportunity to leapfrog, and we've seen that. We have the evidence. You're putting us uh, reality with the history comparison to know what we have now, rather than only thinking what we don't have now. So how can we make best use of what we have now? Thank you. Jose, go to you on the financial sector. Of course, uh, both uh, sustainable development and also digital imperatives are key to what you're doing right now. Can you also help us to understand from your perspective what I just asked? If we think of the many challenges that the world faces and that the global trade is facing, we can think both of cyclical challenges and structural challenges. Cyclical challenges which have to do with a complex uh, economic situation with the conflicts that we know exist in certain parts of the world. When you talk about geopolitics, you immediately think of the United States-China sort of relationship and the tensions uh, there. You think of the conflicts in Ukraine, of the conflict in, in the Middle East, of the impact that this is having on the cost of shipping and moving goods around the world. And that is what we have now cyclically affecting the world. But we also have other things thrown into the mix of the structural uh, challenges. One has to do with climate change. We are having a climate affecting parts of the world which are heavily reliant on agriculture. Yeah. And again, this is something which have, is having an impact on, on trade patterns and some countries taking action, for example, to prohibit the exports of certain agricultural products because they feel they should first supply the domestic market and then think about the rest of the world. The answer going forward is how can we make global trade stronger, more resilient, more inclusive, mm -hmm. and more environmentally friendly? And I think that there are a number of things that can contribute to that, but there is one which positively impacts all of them, and that is digital. And you may think of digital as something which is technical, which is limited. Look, digital is not technical nor limited. Digital is completely everywhere, is the key to the future. Why? Because in terms of trade, digital is making trade faster and cheaper because you can move goods and services around much, much, much faster and at a lower cost. It is uh, also making trade safer, because when you have digital supply chains, you are able to trace much better what's going on at each point of the end-to-end -end process, and you also diminish the uh, yeah. operational risks and the possibilities for fraud. You make it more environmentally friendly, global trade, because you get rid of paper. Right. We can get to small and medium-sized enterprises and helping them 
to get financing and, and, and cover their uh, trade finance gap in a way that without digital would be absolutely impossible. So again, digital is helping the inclusiveness of trade. So because of all of that, I think that digital is the key to a stronger, more sustainable and inclusive trade going forward. Thank you for this big picture that you have painted for us about the two important elements in this discussion, digital imperative and sustainability. Now to you, Christian. Yeah. I know you are having a lot of uh, issues on mind, specific ones. For example, when we talk about digitalization, there are a lot of issues that are coming up with the latest technologies that is not on the trade agenda yet, but soon it will be, uh, hopefully. So how do you see the fast development of digitalization and the imperatives as a result it could create with the sustainability that every one of us subscribe to? Coming to your question, I think, well, for us, um, Siemens, uh, we are having a strong focus on the important mega trends of the future, and digitalization is one of them. We have other elements of rising urbanization, climate change, also uh, demographic change, and what we say, localization as well, as a, in a way that we are looking as well how global value chains are becoming also more resilient locally as well. Mm. But digitalization plays an important role, and today I'm going to try to intervene in my interventions, um, uh, mentioning how digitalization is enabling sustainability, it's also about sharing some technologies that perhaps not yet known to the public on how we can also track the footprint of products and the technologies that we're advancing through digital uh, and to make this possible. And of course, some recommendations as well of the ongoing negotiations that for our business perspective uh, could be very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So coming to the, to the point of digitalization, Siemens evolved its portfolio over the next last 176 years present in 190 countries, really uh, looking from a development on the infrastructure from a smart way, also on the industries, uh, making smart factories possible, also strengthening healthcare systems and, of course, transportation systems. I think this is important to mention because when we look into the micro level, our customers, now we are a B2B company, so our customers are looking into cost reduction, short innovation cycles, quality increase, timely to market, flexibility, but also elements of sustainability and talents. I think really, really important elements. But this is also connects a lot with the, the agendas on, on governments. No? On a more macro level, really the discussions that we have about industrialization or reindustrialization or neo-industrialization is important elements. Other points such as uh, energy transition, a very important point, and also how to make healthcare systems more resilient. Uh, especially with the lessons learned from both in the pharmaceutical industry but also in the healthcare sector as well. So I think this is, this is an important point and of course on trade impacting not only the, the, on the manufacturing but also how do we transport the goods. And I think there's, there's a lot of elements in, in which technology can play a role. So I'll give you one example perhaps it's a little bit more practical. Now, a, lot of, a lot of attention in energy transition also looking into decarbonization of the mobility sector. So we have a lot of attention into batteries as one important enabler of this transition. And today, I think a very important element in how digital can be possible. Digital today, we, we at Siemens, we say well, we connect the real and the digital world. And this is about simulating a product before it's produced. So from mm. a very making it, the, let's say, you know, the most perfect manner on how you can make resources being used efficiently and make it possible uh, for our, let's say, customers to implement something that they are also competitive in global markets. But also with all this digital of 
digitalization of the product and how the process will be done, we're already thinking ahead how we're going to recycle this battery. How are we making the circularity possible? So these are important elements as well and how digital and sustainability can connect throughout the whole, uh, the whole value chain. And this, of course, connects with a lot of other elements on how cities are making more livable. We have very good examples here. Blueprint of smart cities in EU and Hawaii, both in Expo, uh, which is managed on an IoT system that we provided, but also Mazdar City, that which are engaged for over a decade already as well. So I think those are important elements which can contribute both to redu reduction of consumption, be it in, in water systems as well. Sometimes solutions can reduce 50% of water consumption, also energy consumption. But how this is uh, impossible? I think the main element is the technologies provided are enabling micro, small, medium enterprises to prosper, to make them really connected to ports, really to be more agile. And this is, this is really an important element because the access to these technologies can be expensive and also you need to train, you need to make possible on the financing side. So here is the importance element and I think it's sometimes uh, even for the businesses a little bit more difficult to explain what a moratorium means and what would it mean more and I think the importance that we bring here is really the extension of the moratorium is really important for business so we really urge for negotiators really to, to drive further negotiations that we can extend and of course avoid that this becomes uh, a setback and of course additional duties. This will definitely have a lot of impact uh, which will at the later stage looking in a holistic perspective impacting on the targets that we have uh, in sustainability. Appreciate it. So Tarek, I know that uh, one question is saying digital imperatives is a great enabler. You were earlier talking to me uh, uh, before this session suggesting both uh, sustainable development and uh, digitalization are great opportunities. Don't look at them as tasks, but rather look at them as great opportunities, and they are. Tell us more about what you have found out recently, especially with the agenda, of course, of MC13. So it's clear this panel is, uh, is quite firm in the belief that this digitization um, is going to be very important to sustainable development and green development going forward. But the way I like to look at it in particular is looking at the SMEs. And SMEs, uh, digitization is really the opportunity for them to participate in inclusive growth. And without inclusive growth, in my opinion, I think the WTO's role becomes much more complicated uh, getting uh, mm. trade agreements in place. So we have to keep in mind that without this digital democracy that's allowing, I would say, SMEs part to participate in global growth, I think we're going to have a very hard time going forward in creating uh, inclusive opportunity. I think the other aspect, if you look, I think the generally we've come a long way in terms of digitization. Digitization is going to be key for solving some of the environmental problems we have as well. But, you know, we're just now at the tipping point, the starting point of when the digitization of business processes is actually creating enough data for us to be able to use in artificial intelligence systems to actually start moving the needle. So if you look today, you know, one in three containers is shipping empty. That's pretty shocking uh, yeah. statistic. And if you know, we're talking about trying to move the needle forward in the environment, you know, it seems to me that the first order of magnitude is to fill up those containers. Now we've done the digitization, we've gotten inclusive growth, we're now, we now have to address the environment. I think that's gonna come from developing more and more artificial intelligence systems into the way that we do everything. So that uh, 
these sort of opportunities are taken to, into consideration in our broader planning and our broader decision making. So just in summary, I, I think I agree with the panel, without uh, digital constructs, we're not going to have inclusive growth and we're not going to be able to solve some of the environmental problems and we're not going to be successful in getting our next round of trade agreements done. Uh, the latest discussion about artificial intelligence, if I could go a little bit more specific, because we have a lot of general questions already, is we do not know what's going to happen in one year, not to mention five or ten years. But trade policies and trade negotiations need to have a forward-looking nature. Otherwise, we're going to have problems every half year. The policymakers today will not be able yet to catch up with all the latest technologies and know the natures of it and know what would be the best for the general public and common ground. Will the business community be genuine enough to provide information and also provide suggestions? I want to have your opinions on this. I believe a lot is being done exactly as we speak. I mean, this dialogue, this platform, is, and also the engagements that we have is really, really, really important. From our side, I mean, as especially the, the attention of this panel looking how digital connects with sustainability. For us, sustainability starts with data. And I think that's an important element here to, to show and also another element to, to bring across. We have several challenges ahead to tackle the, the, the challenge of climate change. And uh, one of the angles that we look from, from a trade perspective, but also from our uh, value chain is that, well, supply chains, especially products uh, in the, within the supply chain may have up to 90% of product uh, environmental footprint over 90%. Yeah. How do we measure that? Yeah. How do we can track that carbon footprint? And I think this is one of, was one of the elements on how you connect also the, the uh, ingenuity and also elements of innovation to bring solutions to that. So a great part is also how the business can contribute to bringing solutions. And one example that we bring, we created a decarbonization platform called Seagreen. And Seagreen is really about tracking the carbon footprint from our own operations, but also from our suppliers. I think in the past, the focus was very much on the stakeholders that represent the, the key stakeholders for the WTO and the way that they communicated their plans and their futures. And I think uh, going forward, we have to sp spend more attention on um, impacting the invisible stakeholder. And the invisible stakeholder is really the consumer, it's the, it's the constituent that, that the politicians at the end of the day have to go back to to get trade agreements um, approved. And I think the way to do that obviously is by focusing on digital inclusivity. I think that's one of the things that kept us, uh, um, it caused us some problems uh, earlier on by focusing on the environment. The environment was not previously part of the WTO, it became an important yeah. part of the equation now. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the best way to communicate um, is to actually engage in a communication, a broader communication than just the stakeholders here at the WTO. We have to actually go um, to uh, individuals and citizens uh, around the world with messages that resonate uh, with, uh, with them. As we talk about digitization right now, there's a, a really credible study by the GSMA that Africa's, Africa's GDP could double if AI is applied appropriately. I live in Ghana, and with a 1.5% levy on electronic transfers, we saw the results. Financial inclusion con contracted.
People started using cash again. And the government's pre-tax on, on that particular outweighed uh, what they, their pre-tax was higher than, revenues was higher than what it was after they imposed the tax. And the part of the um, financial transfers, the each financial transfers, that they did not tax grew by 61% while people went back to cash. It didn't work. I believe that businesses could have helped us to just give these practical examples. We need to go back to the college campuses. We have some of the most intelligent people, the most intelligent generation that I've seen on college campus today. And they have, a lot of them are misinformed. And we need to just tell them, we need to really tell yeah. them, and I'll close with this, how digitization is enabling sustainability. Because if there was ever a generation that was so pro the environment, it is this generation on college campuses. Mm. And when we look at what is it doing for the least developed countries, I'm looking at a new technology now, fairly new, um, that's enabling the measurement of carbon capture, carbon capture in soil. And the, all the information that says, well, soil is more um, consequential than forests in capturing carbons. And we have technology that can measure that. Right. Well, can you imagine what that would do for Africa? with 60% of the world's arable land. And I do like your idea, Jose, of these thematic centers of excellence. When we say there is a tremendous opportunity, Jose, I know you're looking at it. I do not know, though, how you are linking this, you know, the digital imperative, with the sustainable development in the financial sector that you're working on. Maybe it's great you can provide us with some very concrete things. Yeah. And of course, also earlier, some of the basic questions regarding literacy, a better communication, and really know-how. Please. Sure. Thank you. Uh, I'll give you some very concrete examples. And all of them are based on digital and sustainability, okay? So, to the point. The trade finance gap. This is one important impediment to fostering global trade. There is about a $2.7 trillion gap in the world, and this is something which is affecting many small and medium-sized enterprises. Small and medium-sized enterprises account for about a quarter of the demand for finance, and they get a 40% rejection rate. And if these are women-led uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, you get 70% rejection rate. So clearly, there is a financial exclusion there that needs to be uh, solved. And in the world, there are 330, around 330 million micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises, which, as we know, provide the bulk of job creation in most countries. Now, one thing we're doing is to, close, to try to help closing the financial gap by using digital. For example, in China, we are partnering with LinkLogix, a large supply chain company, finance company, and we have a blockchain platform established so that we can provide financing, trade finance, up to the 11th tier of the supply chain. 11th tier. Where is that? Okay. And that is done through the combination of digital and using the credit rating of the uh, top 
supplier to, the, to, to our main client, and then through a digital system, this rating comes down up to the 11th um, sort of tier so that we can get to the small firms, not just to the big firms. Now, this is great, but in order for this to be able to serve not only local supply chains like in China, but international supply chains where you have uh, suppliers from different nationalities, you need a cross-border framework that allows the transferability and the recognition of digital trade assets, and that framework is not in place. So that's an ask for the WTO. Do something so that we can have that, because otherwise you can only help with uh, supply chains which are totally national but not international. Thank you so much for everyone's uh, input and insights. The second session comes to a conclusion. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in.